2: This is the best of two pros in a couple Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. Nothing but NBA on today's show, Jeff Schwartz. I hope you're ready for that. Ready? Oh
3: great! Let's do it. Let's break uh, down the, uh, uh, Doc Rivers and, and, and JJ Redick and Austin Rivers y- getting into it. LeBron played the All Star game but won't play tonight. Oh
2: yeah, like... so we could do uh, an hour and a half on how to fix the All Star game if you'd like. Uh, to dive about into just that.
3: just don't play it anymore. No, that <laughs> Done. Um, Boom. Getting... I mean, the Pro Bowl said no more. Right? They're like, yeah. Ah, This is this is not good. I mean, I would. I would have watched three hours of Steph versus Sabrina over whatever that was Sunday night. Um, just be done with it. The players don't care. What well, the fans don't. I'm sure the ratings aren't going to be good. I haven't looked at what the ratings are.
2: You know, what's just crazy. Just they're up. Can you believe that? Wait, the ratings up. That- are up compared to last year. Yeah, I'll have to get the exact number for you. But I was like, oh my gosh, is that good news or bad news for the NBA that the ratings were up and then they had to watch that? You know,
3: it's a good question. I look. I mean, look, if, you, if you're watching the game, I guess you, you know what you're watching for. You know, like, I think there's no surprises now about what it is. And and so, look, um, if the players don't want to play hard in it and that's what the product is and you willingly watch it, then you shouldn't complain. I, I, I haven't complained about it because I was very strong on the Pro Bowl. Like, if you watch the Pro Bowl, it's your fault. You know, like, if you watch it, you know what you're getting into. Um, you know, the players just aren't going to play as hard. They're not going to play defense. Um, the thing that is different about the NBA versus the NFL, obviously is the physical contact of an NFL game. Right. And I understand why players at the end of the season are like, you know what? I'm not going to, I don't want to hit anybody Um, in in a pro bowl. It's like, you play a little bit of defense, won't hurt anybody, but Hey, if you watch the NBA all-star game, you know what you're watching. I think the entire weekend, um, is tough to care about anymore because, um, you, you know, with with access to, the, to these players now every day, um, with you know the ability to watch as many highlights as you want, the ability to replay highlights, the ability to watch the games, even just the access you get to the players now via their their media careers, right, um, while they're still playing, the All Star Game to me feels like le- it feels less and less important. I don't I don't have to tune in to watch. Someone that hadn't watched all season. That's the way the all star game used to be, right? For baseball and, and for, and for basketball, especially maybe football a little bit was that, you know, you got to watch players that you might have not been able to see all season because they weren't on your local market very often. And, you know, besides watching, you know, highlights on sports center, you used to get to see anyone play and. Now, I mean, I, tonight, I think NBA starts up again, right? I could watch all these games if I want to. You so not think that... it
2: starts up again. Like, you haven't cleared your schedule yeah. to sit down and watch, watch <laughs> some NBA again, <laughs> but, Jeff. I, I can see right through
3: Yeah, you. I, I haven't done it quite yet. But my point is, like, the All-Star game is not an event anymore where I think a lot of people tune in because they haven't been able to watch anyone play all season. Right? No, I and, hear you. And, yeah. I, and, I, and you know, you, you tune in now. I, I don't know why. Quite honestly, I don't know why you'd watch. Again, I I stopped watching the Pro Bowl. I and obviously before it became what it is now. I just like you know, I, yeah, it's not something for me.
2: No, <laughs> I hear okay. you. <laughs> uh, I'll give you two stats that blew my mind. Well, yeah. one stat and one nugget, and okay. we'll shift to. Justin Fields mania, huh? Oh, it won't so. just be all NBA today. That was a joke. There's plenty of football here. We'll get to the Mahomes rules. Antonio Pierce thinks he's got the recipe, uh, yes, you, for the you, Chiefs, yeah, yeah to shut them down. Uh, but two this is pick what
3: sixes that's a yeah, good, that's yeah,
2: recipe. need a pick six and a, a weird fumble for a scoop yeah. six, and then boom, there you go. There are your Mahomes rules. But this, uh, the ratings are up. Can you believe this, Jeff, for the all star game? The NBA All-Star Game broadcast reached 11.6 million unique viewers across networks. That's up 20% versus last year, and its average of 5.5 million viewers was up 14% year over year. I, I was like, uh, wow, really? Okay, all right. I, again, I don't know if that's good or bad. Like, It's good the ratings are up, but it's yeah. also bad that people were watching what they watched on Sunday night. And this cracked me up. This is from Vincent Goodwill from Yahoo Sports does a great job. He tweeted out more to the disappointment file on Sunday, right? That's when the all-star game was played. NBPA executive director Andre Iguodala, Larry Bird, and Julius Irving went to the locker rooms before the game to stress having a competitive game. Iguodala went to the rookies Friday, message received. Sunday, not so much. <laughs> so you, you had legends go in the locker rooms before Sunday's All-Star game, like, all right, guys, come on. Let's have some competitiveness out there. Let's go. Let's get it done. And then they went out there, and they're like, yeah, uh, we're not doing that.
3: I mean, the I, I love how the new kind of – system for for judging views is like internet views you know because it said unique views right that's very much an internet thing which is it's you know streaming is now a huge part of it um and they include that by the way in the new in the new just general like you know rating so you kind of double dip there a little bit to say you have unique views and average views they are all kind of the same now but um i mean look I, again if you are watching the NBA All Star Game, you complain about it. It's your fault. Don't watch it if you yeah. if, if you think you're getting something else. I don't. I don't know why people were surprised that it wasn't you know the 1994 All Star Game. You know, like it's just it's not it's not what the game is anymore. The players don't care about playing a real game. But then to be fair, defense this season the NBA is is optional too. So it looked a lot like what we've seen in the regular season, just a very extreme level.
2: You know, if we uh, just look over some of the items on the menu today, right? Some of the things that we're going to get into. I'm just curious of these various topics, which you are just just waiting. You're like, um, you know, you're like a dog at the end of your leash where it's just like, I just can't wait to talk about this. Is it the Justin Field situation and the drama of he's unfollowed the Bears on Instagram? Oh yet he still wants to, to be do. a bear <laughs> is it that one is it uh i love this one mike trout says he doesn't want to be traded it reminds me of another player from another sport saying the same things before he eventually wanted Dame to get Lillard? traded the, the, uh, yeah, that's right the, that's the exactly Lillard where Lillard i'm going
3: there we go oh look at, yeah look at, look at, look 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 at Jeff's nba former nba player talking about a nba like that i i used to set, kind of mock Dave willard for that stance and it can do the same with trout if you would like um okay um what else we got on the menu? We 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 got some CFB, some CFB. Oh, absolutely,
2: news. we do. I I've got me. Um, I don't know if you're looking forward to this either, Jeff. But uh, understanding the uh, negativity toward Notre Dame, and then also not understanding the negativity in terms of the rules toward Notre Dame. I don't know. Well, if you that
3: have a, Notre Dame has won a championship since 1988, so you might as well just just never play football again.
2: I know, it's a Let, okay, similar thing here, with Georgia. Here, Georgia hadn't won since 1980. Yeah, it was
3: 41 years Clemson, until they won, won in yeah, 2021. it won like 40 years, too. Let's start with college football. Here's the thing, Brian. It, it really, the, the playoff has, done, um, has been good for you know, some good football games at the end of the season. But everything else about it, I think, mostly stinks. And <laughs> what it mostly stinks is the discussion about what makes a good season in college football. So for the longest time, when I was a kid, when I was at Oregon for 04 to 07, you know, winning your conference championship meant a lot, of course, right? Like that was the goal. Like, let's win a conference championship. Like, that meant that meant your season, right? But then even if you did win a championship, winning 10 games is hard to do, man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a stray at, at Texas A&M here for, for a second because I think that this is a good example of, of some of this. I think they've won had one 10 win season in like 30 season in like the last thirty years. Wow. And you know, we talk about them like, you know, oh, they're they're coming. It's like, well, they actually winning ten games is hard, you know, like that's hard to do. They don't even do that. And they're supposed to be at this school that, you know, that like is recruiting behemoth and they're gonna they win all these games. Like it, it's hard to win ten football games in college football. And we got to a point where the only measure of success for a season was making the playoff or not. And realistically, that's the measure of success for four programs, right? Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama. You know, like maybe Clemson in a given year. (coughs) Otherwise, for the rest of the country, winning your conference, winning 10 games, even for some teams being an eight-win program is a big success in a given season. And the playoff has taken that from us to where we only judge success in college football – based on playoff appearances, and now with it going to 12 and 14 and eventually 16 and 24 and 32 and 128 eventually, the only way we judge it is making a playoff, and I think that's the wrong way to look at the sport. There are only a handful of teams that are really capable of making a playoff in a given season, and winning 10 games, going 9-3, and winning a bowl game— to me, that still matters. That's still a good season in college football. And I don't know why we have gotten to a point where a team like Notre Dame, who you know, have a, has a 9-3 season, oh, not not good. They're, 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 uh, and Unless they make a the playoff and win a championship, that's the only way to look at a Notre Dame good season. And to me, that's not the way to look at college football.
2: Well, the crazy thing to me is that it just blew my mind, Jeff. They just approved the new format. Right, where we have the five plus seven model for the 12 team playoff, meaning the top five, the highest, the five highest ranked conference champions, and then you get the next seven yes. highest ranked teams. And it's like, okay, cool, that's ironed out. We knew it was going to be 12 teams, that's the format. And then it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're discussing 14 teams by 2026. Not even 24
3: hours later, Brian. <laughs> they met the next day about it. <laughs>
2: Uh, we, we just we haven't even had one season of 12 teams and we're already talking well, about 14 teams I, like it's just weird what they're doing so so yeah, the, the,
3: the thing about the, the the 12 team playoff Brian is is who was asking for that right like who who was who, were coaches did, did coaches want this did do fan bases want a 12-team playoff? I would imagine that fans like the playoff and want to see playoff games. But the sport, to me, was not in desperate need of a 12-team playoff. If you want to talk about, okay, we want to end the season with better games and games that quote-unquote matter. Oh, I mean, I, I buy that argument. Sure, yeah, we'll have more games that players seem to seem to want to care about, right? The, the mm-hmm. bowl system, the way that the opt-outs and transfer portal have made a lot of bowl games not matter as much as they have in the past i would argue that for the individual players that are playing the bowl game it matters a lot to them i think it matters to coaching staffs but nonetheless the general public felt like the games didn't matter so yeah we're gonna have better games we're not gonna have a different champion Uh, i even argue that this makes it a lot tougher for washington and tcu to make a championship game brian you have to if you're washington or tcu right in a given year you have to just win one game to make a championship game and then hopefully in that championship game some some things break your way and you win a championship, right? Yeah. Oregon went through that in 2014 as an Oregon guy. We we beat Florida State, got to play Ohio State. We didn't win that game, but you know you hope some breaks go your way and you win. In this new system, Washington's gonna have to they'll have a bias, so that's good. Then they'll play, I don't know, uh old miss, let's say, right? <laughs> and then they're gonna have to play Alabama and Michigan. And that one extra game, man, for teams that don't have the depth of, of a Georgia, it's a it's a big, it's a big difference. Right. Yeah. Um, even if you go to win four games now to win a championship, it's not going to happen. The, 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 the teams that already have the roster advantages and that have the depth, they're the ones that benefit from playing extra games because they have enough players to make it through games, in a, you know, three or four games against top 12 teams in a row. Um, and I don't think this changes who the champion is maybe we can you know we can uh, you know uh, we, we, we do gambling shows Brian me and you I'm not gonna be like oh, well seven seed put money on them nope just put money on the top four teams um <laughs> it's, it's not like it's right. it's not gonna change who wins so what it, what is the purpose of going to 14 teams or 16 teams or whatever we're gonna end up with I it because of Florida State had one year where they got screwed out of all the 10 years of the playoff I I yeah. don't see the purpose besides just saying we want to see some fun games to end the season. To me, there's no purpose to go into 12. There's no purpose going to go 14. Um, I can tell you why I think we're going to 14, but not the purpose isn't to like kind of a, a new champion.
2: No, I hear you. The purpose, and we all get it, is that's the purpose, right? That, that's what it is. Specifically
3: for the Big Ten and the SEC. That, right. that they want more teams now that with these monster conferences, it's the 14 model is to get three auto bids, I think, for each of the top two conferences. It's not for, you know, the, you know, the, the group of five to have more <laughs> to have more representation. It's about. The Big Ten and the SEC saying, "Look, we have 18 teams each. We might end up with 20 or 22 or 24 eventually. We want three auto bids, and then we'll have a couple at And maybe we'll get four or five teams and in this new system. We have with the 12. You know, you're guaranteed just one. From from from, from you know, you're not going to end up with that most likely. I think that is why the 14 team playoff is being pushed so heavily, specifically by the Big Ten commissioner.
2: You, you do bring up a good point about gambling." Because the attrition thing will definitely be a factor with some of these teams that are on a lower tier to try to win four straight games. If you don't have a buy, good luck. And so like, you you could take advantage of that later if you're just betting on one specific game. I think you could take advantage of that before the 12 team playoff even begins if you're betting on one of the top ones.
0: more fun into less time. Download the new DraftKings Pick Six app now and use code Two Pros. New customers play five bucks and get fifty in Pick Six credits. That's code Two Pros only on DraftKings Pick Six. The crown is yours
1: One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 first pick set to receive $50 in Pick 6 credits, which are non withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after six months. Restrictions apply. Limited time offer. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up to date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See. Terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos.
2: So, um, Mike Trout, uh, how do you feel about the Los Angeles Angels? I know you're a San Francisco Giants fan. How do you feel about the Angels there, Jeff? Who? In general, who are they? <laughs> okay, that tells you, me all you, I the, need to
3: know. The Anaheim you know? Angels that are in there, like. Who? Calling them L.A. is, like, offensive. They're, like, an hour and a half outside L.A. (laughs) Um, No, uh, yeah, I mean, they play baseball in Los Angeles, I think.
2: (laughs) It's okay. Well, Mike Trout, he was talking about, does he want to be traded? Uh, The question came up. Here's how he answered it. I think the easy way out is just ask for a trade. Um, You know, there might be a time, maybe. uh, I
0: really haven't thought about this, but... Uh, you know, when I signed that contract, I, I'm loyal. You know, I want to win the championship here. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's mainly. I think the, the, the overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is bigger satisfaction,
2: bailing out and just taking an easy way out. You know, Jeff, we talked about it to begin the show very briefly, but this completely reminds me of Damian Lillard. Yep. When he was with the Blazers, he said the same things. And the harsh reality is, It didn't get him any closer to a championship. And it's the same reality for Mike Trout. And I hate that. You know, what you were talking about in college football, where it's like you either win a championship or you're nothing. I think that a lot of great players that are in bad situations, as far as their team goes in the pursuit of a championship, they're in a no-win situation. It's like, cool, my options are stay here, in either Portland for Dame or the Angels with trout and not get close to a championship, or I could go elsewhere and some people are like, Oh, you had to go somewhere else and team up. You couldn't get yeah. it done. That's what it turns into almost every time.
3: I think the trout situation is a little bit different because, um, you know, he the the Angels just have not been good even with like two of the three best players in all the sport on the roster.
2: No doubt, um, yeah.
3: And I think that people would look at Mike Trout and say like, okay, well, you know, you 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 gave it a go, um and it just did not work out. Uh I'm going to find that, that there's there's a tweet that um like is is what all-time uh, an all-time great like tweet about the Angels. Uh here it is right here. Uh it's just it, look, this this encapsulates the Angels, right? Oh. You don't know talk about right here. So I think
2: tweet. so. Like the double day yeah. thing. Or Every yeah, time yeah. I
3: see an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit hit three home runs and raised the average to 528 while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tungsten Armo Doyle of the 1921 Akron Groomsman, <laughs> at the Tigers defeat the Angels 8-3. <laughs> it's like... They, it is. They, it's so perfect. They just they just like lose all these games and they just have not been a successful franchise. And I just don't know how trout, I I, I take it back. I understand how he's loyal to them, but at some point it's like, I want to win a championship and I got to do what is necessary to win a championship. I, I don't know what point of, of that, that realization and what, when that comes as a, as a player. Um, but he's not winning one in Los Angeles. And, I hope he, at some point, decides to ask for a trade and go somewhere to win a championship.
2: Yeah, I do too. When I heard him talk, I thought about B.B. King, the blues legend, okay. Jeff. And I thought about one of his songs.
1: Hey, I gotta get out of my neighborhood.
2: I gotta get out of my neighborhood. That's how I feel about Trout. He's gotta get out of his Angels neighborhood and go somewhere else where he has a chance. He's been there for 13 years. It's and been 13 I get it. years I, already. It's been he's been 13 years in L.A. and we haven't won a playoff series. And, and I get it. Like that's pie in the sky. It would mean way more. And again, Damian Lillard said the same things. So it would win. It would mean way more to win a championship with the Blazers than elsewhere. But when you realize season after season after season, you're just getting further and further yeah. away from a championship being realized. The bottom line is this: what does loyalty get you that's the question you have to ask yourself because if you're in a a non-winning situation what good does it do you to be loyal to that organization
3: nothing the, the thing that i think is unique about trout and maybe this is different than other um you know maybe dame is sort of in the same boat or was in the same boat is that um you know mike trout has not seemed to want the spotlight right we would talk about superstars in baseball and, and who are the guys that you know carry the the league and I mean there's plenty but Mike trout should be one of those guys he's the he's the most talented player maybe outside of I Otani might pass him now but you know that's because Otani pitches too but Mike trout has never wanted the spotlight he's never wanted to be the, the face of baseball and if you go to the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Dodgers—you now have to become a, a more public figure for baseball, right? Like that—that's you, you, that—that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe he just doesn't want that. Maybe he doesn't want to go to New York and play with that—that that pressure. Become the face of baseball. But I mean, Otani is—is he the face of baseball now?
2: I don't know. He's one I mean, of them. Aaron Jones, Aaron Judge is right there.
3: I mean, um, but, you know, o- uh, Acuna, like, I mean, there's some guys that I think, <clears throat> but I mean, Otani's in LA playing for the Dodgers. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, he's going to be, but I think Otani will embrace that role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Charles never wanted to embrace that ever. Like, so maybe that's part of this. Like, I just don't want to go. I don't want to play for the Yankees. I don't want to go to New York and be the face of baseball. I don't want to go, you know, to a, a name who's going to pay for him, the, the Dodgers. I don't want to go to the Dodgers and, and become the face of baseball. And maybe that's a, a playing a role in this. I played 13 years and I'm okay. I'm okay just being what I am. But the Dame Lillard situation, like, eventually. Your competitive spirit sort of takes over. Dame Lillard's like, I want to win, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I want to win a championship now, and I don't think anyone's going to use the team up with Giannis as like a, a thing against him. I don't. I don't think for Dame Lillard. I think they're finally happy that he's able to 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 go somewhere and try to win a championship.
2: Yeah. No, I hear what you're what you're saying. I think that look, it, it can just be that. Trout is a loyal dude, and he wants to win there. He's put so much into that organization, and he wants to see it through. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but the sad reality is loyalty doesn't guarantee you anything in sports. Sometimes uh, anything good, sometimes it guarantees something bad. Like there's There's a guarantee that Trout will not win a championship this year. His team is just simply not good enough. They're not going to sniff a championship. And I wish it didn't work like that, but it does. And so it does raise at least a question in the back of your mind of like, hey, well, then why not? Why doesn't he want to go elsewhere? I really think he's just being loyal. I don't think he's shying away from any challenge somewhere else. But I get how that question would be rattling around your head when he's not any closer to winning a title. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros in a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox
0: weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at with amex.
2: we will get to mr rick patino who was initially blasting his team then saying he didn't blast his team then last night saying sorry for kind of blasting my team that is on the way we're broadcasting live from the tire rack.com studios tire will help get you there an unmatched selection fast free shipping free road hazard protection and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What a week for Rick Patino. St. John's head coach, Jeff. So it started with a loss to Seton Hall. Okay, And as, 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 as it does, yeah. It, yeah, yeah he, uh, he went scorched earth. Here's a little taste of him ripping his team.
1: We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. It's been that way the year. But we came out in the second half, and we knew they would come after us, but you have to move the ball, and we just took four minutes of rush shots.
2: Okay, bad shot selection, non-athletic. Okay, what else do we have?
1: I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Um, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Okay. Even oh, even the Celtics oh, are, when we lost, oh, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had Ooh. since I've been coaching. Okay. Um, this might be my favorite one. Do you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. <laughs>
2: Not St. John's fault. It's these bums can't play over here is what's going on.
3: Just just so I have it right though, the the, the these bums are guys that, that he chose, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's right. He yeah. I just was I just was he's talking like these are players that he was stuck with. I was just curious about Yeah. So the He also the guys... mentioned
2: something about that too, Jeff. So this goes back to the after the loss against Seton Hall. He, right. he talked about that. Check this out.
1: If you had to do it over again, would you have attacked your first off season differently? I had no choice. We just could take who we could get, who was available. We had no choice. Um, I don't think we were going to win the first year anyway, because when you rush like that and you don't see the players and you just, uh, not not a whole lot we can do.
2: So we're kind of stuck with these bums, is what he's saying right there.
3: A real vote of confidence for for the old squad. Yeah, um, yeah. I- yeah. Jeez. Real boost. Yeah, you know, someone who covered the the 12 for years, is you know Mick Cronin sort of the same way at UCLA where he just will just throw his players directly under the bus as much yeah. as he can. Yeah. Um and a lot of times it, it, it ends up with you know some some success afterwards. Um but you know in in the era of transfer portal and the era of sort of player not empowerment, but like you Throwing guys under the bus is just a very tough thing to do because they're just going to leave. And maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he wants guys to leave. This is his sort of way to get them to go. And then he has to obviously get more players. But if you are a recruit or you're transfer, you're going to go play for a coach that kind of calls out his players like this? Right. Um, I, I don't know. Um, it Again, it, it's a lot of the coaches that have been doing this for a long time I think, struggle with sort of the new way, the new era, the new kind of how the players think and operate. And you just – I'm okay, I guess, with him saying these things out loud. I mean, he's a coach. He could say what he wants. But there's going to be repercussions for that with your roster. And maybe he wants that. Maybe this is his goal is to – to get rid of the players that he has, but <laughs> bringing a new player is going to be hard when you when you you know you talk about your current players like this.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the way the week started. That was Sunday. So on Monday, right? Patino was right back at it, where he was like, "I, I was asked the question, why do you blow second half leads?" And I can tell you, sometimes it's missed free throws at the end of the game, and opponents make free throws. It's not the same reason every time. These are his comments. He's he's saying, I wasn't ripping anybody. But it's the same reason every time on why you foul. You foul because you take a bad shot. You get caught in a bad situation defensively. And you are not overly quick laterally. So when you go to defend the basket rather than beat them to the spot, you foul. That's what I was trying to point out. So he was saying, I wasn't ripping anybody. So you fast forward to last night. The Red Storm, Jeff. They rallied. OK, they rose up and they beat Georgetown. Barely. They hung on to beat sad, pitiful Georgetown these days. And so after the win, Rick Pitino did do some walking back of the ultra critical comments he made on Sunday.
1: Everybody blew it out of proportion. These guys have heard a lot worse in close quarters. But I went home, talked to my wife and came back. and I said to my step, Anybody in any the any of them upset? It's a couple of feelings of hurt. So I immediately went in the team and told them, I absolutely love you guys. I would never ever want to embarrass you, but it's my bad, I'm at fault. I should have never mentioned to anybody by name. I didn't mean it, I was trying to talk typical clinic talk like I do. The slowest player in the league of the NBA is Jokic. He can't move laterally. Some of the greatest players I've coached can't move laterally. So I didn't think that's a big deal, but I should never, ever mention her name. I'm a veteran coach. I tell every young coach in the business, show class when you win, show class when you lose, give the other team credit. I wasn't ripping them. That wasn't my intent, but words matter. My family and my plays, outside of breathing air, they're the most important thing in my life. That's why I'm still coaching today. Uh, They are the air that I breathe. And I love them dearly. I would never want to embarrass them or hurt them. Uh, a couple of them certainly were. But they went out yesterday and had the best practice of the year. So um, I'm real proud of that.
3: Okay. Does he know what moving laterally is? He knows. Clearly. I mean, I just, I'm not sure I called the Joker the worst lateral mover in the NBA. But, I mean, it's certainly okay. Um
2: Yeah. Well, that's the part, though, too, is like Jokic, he's a former MVP. He's a champion, right? Like Rick Pitino wasn't saying, hey, look, my team struggles with lateral movement. But I mean, look at everything. They're doing well. They do this well and they do that well. And yada yada. it's how he framed it. He, he's smart. He knows we're not dumb, but he acts like we are. We know he wasn't saying, hey, in spite of not moving laterally well, I really like what my team brings to the table. That was just one of the greatest hits list of him dissing his team left and right. And it's just it's so sneaky the way he's trying to, you know, prop up his initial argument. But he also does.
3: He also didn't really apologize he apologized for, it sounds like, hurting someone's feelings. Yeah. Which is, it's sort of like a half apology, right? It's not saying, like, I apologize for the words, you know, I should have not have said that. It's I apologize, basically, that you got upset at me. Right. Um,
2: I'm, a, I'm sorry you got offended. Yeah. It's really, and yeah, it, yeah, yeah.
3: And, and so, again, he doesn't have to apologize. I, I don't think he demanded an apology. I think that you, you have to understand, to the point that he made, you have to understand your team, right, and understand how your team is feeling, after you make comments like that, and how does it motivate your team to, to be better? And maybe it did last night. But, um, yeah, I mean, you don't hear coaches talk like that very much now because you, you, you lose your roster. Players yeah, have um, the ability to leave now, and they used to never have that.
2: Yeah, I think a couple of things at the beginning when he was like, this was completely blown out of proportion. No, he's, not really. he's basically saying... You guys are soft, right? Like for for it say, oh, this was awful. What he's doing over here? But he also said something key there too, and a lot of guys can relate to this. Sometimes you just get into your world and you think I'm right and everybody else has it wrong. He said, I talked to my wife, and I, I saw things a little bit differently. You know what I mean? Where oh, yeah. it was, it's fair. Sometimes you need that perspective. Absolutely. And uh, he at least opened his eyes to the fact that some of his players were upset with what he had to say and I get it rightfully so he completely crushed them publicly yeah and it's on stuff that they can't really fix if he was like we just didn't come with the right mindset we just didn't come with the right intensity you can you can change all of that as an athlete but to say like I mean, Jonesy runs a 5 two forty. He's not going to be Deion Sanders the next game. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. that was not coaching by Rick Pitino. That was venting. He was frustrated, and it got the best of him in a press conference. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I said a little bit too much, which is basically what he did, sort of, kind of, because um, that's what happened. Uh, there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, my bad little too much on Sunday.
3: Correct. And so, look, in in the end, I don't know, is this going to matter? Probably not. Um, But, you know, if a player is deciding to come to the school or not in the offseason, maybe it it does matter.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. You can speak to this from an athlete's point of view, Jeff, is sometimes there is tough love. Sometimes your coach will say, especially when it's just on the practice field or the practice court or yeah. whatever, they'll say some crazy things. But it's a different deal when you're doing any of that publicly in a that's press a conference right? setting. You're putting them on blast in front of everybody. And sometimes there is a tactic to do that. But that's not what happened yeah. on Sunday night. That was just a venting session.
3: It, I I think there's different ways to call out players, you know. Um this one felt like extremely personal, right? Like, yeah. Um, there's ways to, to say, "Hey, man, you know, you know the the quarterback didn't play well enough, or whatever." And you know, it's very clear that that was the case on during the game. But this it, it felt obviously like you know like a very personal thing to say about some of your players, and so that's I think I think and I think he's right to apologize for that.
2: Yeah. No, I do too. And it's <laughs> some people took this and they're like. He's just inspiring his team. What's wrong All right. with this? All right. That's that's mm. not what it's. He also called out the facil- facilities, Jeff. This is what I love. I, I did see that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we have bleepy facilities? Yes, we do. Having bleepy he facilities out. has nothing to do with not guarding, though. Is what he said. So is he trying to inspire the facilities? You know what I mean? Like
3: again, that's he just said venting, that the facilities right? There. In that comment, are getting better though. He's like, yeah, right. We're fixing that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We're... yeah. Um, facilities. Oh, I don't. I don't imagine Shane and John probably has the best of uh, facilities. Huh. Um, yeah. Look, again, I think this is a a certain certainly a clash of, um, you know, old school versus new school coaching. Like you, I don't think you'd hear any of the new coaches ever talk about players like this. Yeah. But right, um, right. you know, the, the coaches and again I've seen it with you know Mick Cronin at times, like just very aggressively t- yeah, you know, bad mouthing their players they have on their roster. Again, sometimes I remember a couple years ago Mick Cronin did it, and I think that it was the year the Bruins ended up um in the final four. Like it it sparked the team to success. Um I, I don't know if it'll do the same for you know, for uh, Saint John's as it as it did for UCLA. Yeah.
2: No, but you're right. It's a different, it's a different era, man. With the transfer portal and NIL, and if you say the wrong thing and you have the wrong approach and you're unfair out of line, these kids have options, man. You know what I mean? Don't be yeah. shocked if they're like, "I don't gotta, I don't need to deal with this. I don't have time for this."
3: You know? It's just a much different, uh, you know, landscape now. And um, again, this is why I think we're seeing coaches, older coaches. I, I don't. There's a trend, obviously, for for some college football coaches to leave to the NFL. I think that's partly because of NIL, but, you know, again, this is just a different sport right now, um, and it's hard for some coaches to
1: navigate the realities of it. Yeah. oh. oh.